You may be seated. You guys actually served as the call to worship this morning. I missed the note. And um, we're going to read what we just sang about from Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. You probably are familiar with these verses. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We're here this morning to worship this great God who sent his son into this world Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for the church that you are building through the blood of your Son as you call out those who will come and hear your voice, sheep being restored to their master, disciples following their Savior. We thank you that South Canyon and Redeeming Grace are such churches where men and women... And young people are hearing the gospel and responding to it in faith, that your spirit is working in Rapid City, that you are redeeming people and transferring them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We praise you for your goodness to us through your son Jesus. We thank you so much, Lord, that he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, that he is a prince of peace. And Lord, we, we look to you to say, to give you worship that is due you, but with such smallness that only we can muster. We, we can't give you the full praise and glory that you deserve, and we're thankful that even now there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands in heaven who are crying out before your throne, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we add our voices to theirs, Lord, that you are holy, you are good, you are true, loving, kind, and gracious to us. We thank you for your Son, our Savior. We thank you for the fellowship that we have in this body with one another, where we can be encouraged and strengthened, where we can pray for one another in sickness and in distress, where we can rejoice with one another's successes and celebrations and where we can just be still and mourn with those who weep. Lord, we thank you that every week people from this church are sent out into the community and that they are inviting people to know Jesus and to come and visit a church that's full of sinners who need the gospel, who cling to the gospel, and who rejoice in the gospel. And so, Lord, we pray, whether it's through the invitations of coming to church, or whether it's through those private conversations with neighbors or coworkers, that you would give wisdom to your people to point and answer questions from the scriptures to point people to Christ. And we pray that more and more would come to know you as we do. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather this morning. And we rejoice, truly rejoice, in the good news of great joy that is for all the people. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I'd ask if you would open your copy of the Scriptures and join me in Luke 2 this morning. We're going to look at a couple verses from this very familiar passage, verses 10 and 11 and verse 14. That page number 857 may not correspond to your Bible, but it does with the blue Bibles that are in the chairs in front of you. So if you don't have one, uh, feel free to take that as a gift from our church to you on Christmas morning. And you will find the text on that page number that we're going to be working through this morning. I'm going to read verses 10 and 11 first, and then we'll get to verse 14 in a little bit. And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This angel appeared in a dark night to shepherds who were keeping watch over their, field, their flocks. <clears throat> Judean hillside is much like the Black Hills, maybe without so many uh, ponderosa pines, but the rolling hills, and these shepherds were out there that night, and the angel appeared to them, and it lit up that night sky, which is why he tells them, don't be afraid. I'm not here to condemn, to terrify. In fact, I am bringing good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, if these verses sound a bit foreign to our ears, that especially that phrase, good news of great joy that will be for all the people, where are we hearing about good news in our day? <clears throat> we hear about inflation. We just had a visit from the president of Ukraine who reminded us of the war that's ravaging and savaging his country and millions and millions are without power, without any warmth. Countless lives have already been lost. Our ears are filled with news of crime, political arguments. We hear news of millions displaced by war, famine, and political unrest. And then those are only further exaggerated by the fact that we hear bad news about droughts and famines, or in our case, these last two weeks, devastating storms and floods, which only add to the suffering of untold millions more. <clears throat> we hear bad news about the many societal ills that face our country and others. I, I could go on and on, but I'm not here to depress you on this Christmas morning. I'm just simply making the point that so often what we hear doesn't reflect the good news that the angels brought to the shepherds that night. And our ears may have become so full of the bad news that we have forgotten the good news. It seems that our world is obsessed with sharing bad news while simultaneously giving us the false promise of peace, pleasure, and wholeness. I may go through puberty again, just, just to let you know. <clears throat> Casting crowns. That's better. They sing a rendition of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. If you're familiar with that, one line reads this, In despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And that may seem to be more true for our day than what the angels said to the shepherds that night. There doesn't seem to be much goodwill. 
Perhaps you feel yourself to be like a piece of driftwood on the sea, just being tossed by the waves. We want peace. We want lasting joy. But where can we find it? Now, some of us, I recognize, may feel very comfortable in this world. We feel at home here. You may be like, oh, this is just life, and it's not that bad. Others of us feel really, really out of place here, like we're pilgrims, we're tourists, we're visiting a land, we don't quite, we know enough of the language to get by, but we don't fit in. Whether you are comfortable in this world or not, all of us need to hear the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now what's interesting is I grew up in a, in a church where we use the King James Bible, and uh, Luke 2.14 reads this way, which is different from the ESV. So I'm going to read this because it's really important and it leads into our understanding of Luke 2.14. So from the King James, it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I think we might read the King James and mistakenly think that the goodwill is from men toward other men. And so, because we don't see that, like the song that I just quoted from Casting Crowns, we don't see peace covering the earth, we don't see men loving other men and taking care of one another, instead we see war and sin. We are very discouraged by that. But in the Greek, actually, the last word of this verse is eudokos, which refers to God's good pleasure. Philippians 2.13 quotes this. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so the ESV, the translation that we commonly use here at South Canyon, and the New American Standard, if just for another, say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So it, it really does change the understanding. Uh, not peace on earth, goodwill toward men, where men are doing this, but this is God being pleased and bringing peace among those with whom he is pleased. So that means we have to ask the question that is hidden in Luke 2.14. With whom is God pleased? And the answer, we're going to jump around a little bit today, so uh, I failed to get this in before we went to print, but uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 says this, that God predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Ephesians 1.9 says, He is making known the mystery to us, the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. Did you hear that twice in those two verses? The purpose of God's will. And then again, remember I quoted Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So how do we answer the question? Luke 2.14 says that glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. With whom is God pleased? Is it everybody? 
According to what Paul unpacks for us in Ephesians chapter 1, God is pleased with those whom he has redeemed. So Luke 2.14 is not describing or calling for worldwide peace. It's not. Luke 2.14 is not describing something that mankind can usher in or can accomplish by their own efforts. Instead, we find tucked away in this oft-overlooked verse the fulfillment of what we began with in Luke 2, 10 and 11. Remember? Good tidings of great joy to all the people. There's the promise of the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. And it comes, that good news comes to those to whom God is going to redeem. So if you're there still in Ephesians... Flip the page, and let's go to chapter 2. This is more of a topical than what you're probably accustomed to just in the eight months we've been here. But um, I think it bears, it's worth telling and sharing this morning. Ephesians 2, 13 through 18. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. Doesn't matter our backgrounds, it doesn't matter our ethnicity, it doesn't matter our financial portfolio, it doesn't matter our family history. God has made us one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. You know, Paul's saying the gospel is Jesus. He is the embodiment of the gospel. This one who was born as a baby in a manger of the Davidic line, of the promised seed of Abraham, the one that God said would bring a worldwide blessing is Jesus of Nazareth. And he is the one who can change people. And reconcile us to God. He is our peace and has created and fulfilled every part of the peace treaty with God. You realize that in Jesus Christ, we are granted the forgiveness of all our sin. We are no longer under God's judgment. In Christ, we call God our Father and we have access to Him. God sent his son into the world to save sinners by reconciling us sinners with the holy God. This is, this is something we talk about a lot here at South Canyon because we can never move away from the gospel. You never outgrow the gospel like you do the shoes that you just got today or the sweater. You will never outgrow your need of the gospel. We cling to the gospel because in it are the promises of God. If I loved you while you were still a sinner, I will love you even though you sin against me today with greed or covetousness or lust. 
My love for you will not change. We love the gospel because it reminds us there's nothing we ever did to earn God's favor. He's lavished it upon us in Christ. We receive the gospel. We don't earn it. And that gives us great confidence when we feel as though we ought to be doing better than we are. The gospel reminds us that everything is rooted in Christ's work, not ours. Now, certainly the gospel has a call to change us and to refine and sanctify us and to reform us and to reconcile us, and it will do those things. We are called to obedience. We're called to faith. But the peace that the shepherds were told about wasn't just a peace between sinners and God or a a vertical reconciliation that was taking place. That's the most important part. But there's more to this piece. And that's what I want to show you here as we continue in Luke 2.14. Jesus' life and death provides not only peace to those who trust in him, but Jesus says this, stay in Luke 2. I'll just quote from John 14.27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so what Jesus is saying in John is that the world's peace, that false promise of pleasure, of fulfillment, of joy, of enduring wholeness and happiness, if you just had a better diet or if you had more money or you had more education or you had a bigger house, whatever it is, The world's peace does not compare to the peace Jesus gives. And therefore, the peace that the the angels announce in Luke 2.14 is a peace with God and a peace in the hearts of those who have been redeemed. A long time ago, I stood before a judge. I was convicted. I was guilty of the crime. And I had no recourse but to say yes To have that kind of reality and to know that God hasn't just expunged your record, but that He is also giving you absolute confidence in your heart that He has done that and that He actually loves you. I paid a fine. The judge didn't give me any condolences, He didn't give me any kind of words of affirmation. He just swung, hit the gavel, guilty, next case, move on. That's not the way it is with God. He gives us a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that keeps God's people settled when all others lose their heads. Why can Christians go through tragedy and still praise the Lord? Because God has given them a peace that endures. It's a peace that calms and guides regardless of the circumstances. So, friend, in this world, you know we will have trouble. We will face temptations. We will suffer. We will have loss, pain, and turmoil. And Jesus says, I will give you a peace in the midst of these storms. And he also gives us a peace so that we may not succumb to the power of the devil's wrath against us because our foe is strong, but he is not as strong as our God. 
And Jesus gives us a real and lasting peace that's unavailable from any earthly pleasure or experience. Remember the line that I quoted from Casting Crowns. I'm in despair. I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. And yet, as we read John 17, our Savior prayed for His church as He knew He was going to be leaving. He prayed first that we would know God through Him and that we would experience the joy of that relationship. To not have a guilty sign hanging over our heads, but to have a redeemed sign. And then not to just be redeemed, but to be restored and to be adopted and part of the family. Oh, that's a great joy for us. But Jesus also prayed that we would have peace with other believers as a witness to truly being transformed by the gospel. And third, Jesus prayed that God would receive ultimate glory in all of this and that Christ would share in that glory as a result of the love, unity, and obedience of believers. There is so much in this little boy's birth, this baby who grew to be a man. Let's return to where we started, Luke 2, 10 and 11. Why should our joy be great? Because God has redeemed us through Jesus our Savior. And that is why one of the most flawed guys in the New Testament One of the most impetuous, brash, proud, stubborn, willful, impatient guys named Peter could read or write this. You were ransomed from the feudal ways and not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. We're giving gifts in honor of Jesus' birth, the greatest gift God has ever given us. But you know, no gold or silver can accomplish for you what the blood of Christ can do. And that is the treasure that we must long for. That is the wholeness that we must pursue. That is the joy that we must hold in highest regard. The treasure which God used to purchase our redemption was the life of His dear Son. And that means today for Christians is a holy day of celebration for all who by faith in Jesus have received God's salvation and experience His good pleasure. Don't get distracted by things that promise peace but can't deliver. Here's a final word about the good news, which is great joy for all people. We read it last week as part of our Advent Scripture reading. It comes from Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. it's the fact that God is transforming us through Jesus. He's not just saving us so that we may return back to our sin. He's saving us to sanctify us so that we will become more and more increasing like His own Son, pure, 
holy and righteous. But Paul goes on to say this, that Christmas has a dual nature. We're looking back on that fact that God, the grace of God has appeared. He brought salvation to all people through his son, sending him into the world. But Paul says we are also looking forward, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You see, for the Christian, we aren't just looking back at a manger scene in Bethlehem many years ago. We're also looking forward to the return of our Savior. This blessed hope that we have as Christians. I want to show you a picture. One December morning in Indiana, I was heading into work. You see that? I, it's, it was hard. No picture can actually see it. Like, show it like it was. As clear as day. Now, this isn't me getting crazy. Don't, don't be scared. But if you look really close, it looks like a cross. See a little lateral line about where the telephone lines are? And that was as clear as day for me as the sun was coming up. I was heading east. And, I, and, and I'll just tell you this. Le, le, this is legit. For a second there, my heart skipped a beat. It was like, is this the day? Like, seriously, is, am I seeing this? This is what Christmas Day should be every day for us. Like, we ought to be looking forward to Jesus. I mean, this is the dual nature. We look back at the one who was sent into the world, and we look forward to the one who's promised to come and gather his people and to make all wrongs right and to make a new heaven and a new earth and to do away with sin, do away with sickness and death and to be with us, and we will be with him forever. He is our peace and our Redeemer. He is our consolation and our conquering King. Now before we stand together and sing exalt in the Savior's birth, I have to ask, do you know the peace of God that passes all understanding? Has God's good pleasure been poured out in your heart? If so, then I hope you will be able to stand and sing this song of good news with great joy as we anticipate and celebrate not only Christmas, but the day of Jesus' return. Joel. Lord, we thank you for this joyful message that indeed you have redeemed your people and those are the ones to whom you have blessed to those to whom you have shown your goodwill and your good pleasure, and that you are working all this for your plans and purposes to make known to us the mystery of your will that you have set forth in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for saving us, and I pray that you would save more still, that truly in understanding that peace with God is accessible regardless of our sins through Christ, that we would trust the promises that you make to us, and that we would celebrate not only the birth of Christ, but his return, as we do now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.